You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. You know what that sound means. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. It's time for our Straight Talk segment. Actually, what that sound means, we just learned. Inside Scoop. That's Eli calling himself and recording it. That's what that sound is. Yes, it's not just a canned uh, package of touch tones coming from who knows where. So we, we, give, you the, we give you the straight skinny here on Real Presence Live. <laughs> 877-795-0122 is the number to call. You can also submit questions on our Facebook page uh, for Real Presence Radio. And there are a lot of things going on here, uh, of course, today, as uh, was mentioned earlier on, is the um, uh, Memorial of St. Teresa of Jesus, uh, commonly known as St. Teresa of Avila. And uh, it was interesting, as I was uh, looking back in, in her story, a lot of people know that she was uh, responsible for helping bringing about reform in Carmelite uh, communities throughout Spain. Avila, a medium-sized city just to the west of Madrid, and a lot of the members, when she joined that convent, were very lax in their practice. I guess uh, I would think of it as uh, having a life of cocktail parties without the cocktails, maybe, you know, where they were very interested in gossip, a palace intrigue, various things like that. And I think with one of the prayer de- sprinkled in one here of the and there. One details was that the Teresa brought out, it may have been in the office this morning, was that was appalling was they got to keep their own property or their own possessions. And I think mm-hmm. that was one. So that would be an example of what they mean by lax. Right, right. So there wasn't the kind of detachment that was certainly intended with the uh, heritage of the Carmelite religious order, uh, the the intensity of of prayer and spiritual conversion. Um, One of the most well-known, I think, comments that she made in a journal is something to the effect of, uh, in saying to Jesus, um, oh, how does it go? It's like... uh, um, if if uh, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder there are so few of them or the, something like that. The context of it was she was traveling to one of her houses she had started, and she fell off the horse into a muddy stream. Oh. And she came up, and she was cold, she was wet, she was muddy, and that and that's where it came from. Okay. She looked up at the heavens and said, mm-hmm. Jesus, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few, she said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so St. Teresa and St. John of the Cross are often thought of together in this joint uh, mission, you might say, of bringing reform and revitalization uh, to their brothers and sisters, and by extension, all of those whom they would serve uh, throughout that locality, something that became known and especially um, underscored through the recent uh, proclamation as uh, a doctor of the church. So uh, 877-795-0122 is our number here for Straight Talk. You can also submit questions on the Facebook page for Real Presence Radio. You know, uh, St. Teresa, she's known for the interior castle, and um, which is a book on the, the spiritual life. Um, I, to me, that it's the, it's the heavy hitter. You, you're not going to take that for some light reading and, and sit down. I mean, she, she has the treatise on how to become holy. But I, when I think of St. Uh, Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross... The first thought that always comes to me is, you know, if, if God inspires you with a vision or a particular charism or a calling, how much are you willing to suffer to bring it about? I mean, because th- their own people, their own communities 
mm-hmm. made them suffer. And again, I don't, I'm not going to pass judgment and say like they intentionally went out to hurt or harm them, but there was just such a reaction to their call of holiness that mm-hmm. it caused the other ones to want to, well, they yeah. threw St. John in a pit for, was it right, three years? Right, right, yeah. You know? I mean, they were repulsed by the, the ideas of those of the likes of Teresa and John, you know. And, and so yeah. for me, it always brings up this thing in me, well, uh, am I called to holiness? Well, I am. I don't know that I'm called to the holiness of St. Teresa and St. John, or I'd probably be a Carmelite. But, but boy, it sure, mm-hmm. it sure gets you thinking, you know, about what, what is the life of holiness? What does it look like for Father Gross? What does it look like for Father Leffer or for Joe Smith, who's out there today right. listening on the air Yeah, course. yeah. And we think of, in fact, I was visiting with our junior high students last night in our religious ed class, talking about the mark of the church as being holy. And what that word means in, etymologically is set apart, you know, for God's purposes, rather than to just conform ourselves to whatever is around us. So now, Father Gross and I love talking. We love being inspired by one another, hearing each other talk, because we really do. We get inspired by one another when we do the segment, and we will do that. But we would rather hear from you and your comments, your concerns, your that. questions. 877 I know, I know there's a listener right now who's got a burning question. Let your burning question be our burning question. Meanwhile, Father Gross. Yes, um, this past Monday was a a day which has become somewhat controversial. I continue to call it Columbus Day, and I want to uh, uh, call it Columbus Day. And Christopher Columbus is somebody who uh, has, yes, a complicated uh, background, but needs to be celebrated in culture. And I came across some articles that reminded me of some interesting things about him. Um, We do ourselves no favors by trying to whitewash his, you know, his record and to claim that there's nothing, you know, uh, nothing flawed with regard to his reputation. There's an article that uh, entitles him a brave, flawed man. Um, And uh, we see what happened in many different cities around the country with regard to various statues, memorials of Christopher Columbus and others, how there is this um, this venom, this hatred, you know, that sought to deface and to tear them down. Presentism is the word that uh, one author was using with regard to the judgments being placed upon those of the past. And he had this to say, a funny thing about presentism, it never occurs to anyone today how the people of the future will surely rise up and condemn us in similar fashion. Uh, Should the people of the future refuse to honor those who achieved great things in our time? Um, And, uh, you know, whoever manages to make a positive contribution to today's mess, will they too have a right to condemn their forebears while enjoying the fruits of their accomplishments? Very interesting idea. And when we think about the American heritage behind the celebration of Columbus Day, there is some interesting information that I uh, quite honestly didn't realize. Think back in the year 1892. That was the 400th anniversary of that initial launch of the voyage of 1492. Columbus sailed the ocean blue, etc., etc. Okay, Uh, President Benjamin Harrison first proclaimed uh, October 12th, 1892 as Columbus Day. I have to do a little aside here because President Harrison was the one who in 1889 enacted North Dakota and South Dakota as states. And he played a little game with that because he concealed with a piece of paper his hand and his pen so that 
that because he had to sign each one with a separate decree, and he wanted to keep a secret for the rest of his life which one of the states came first. North Dakota is listed before South Dakota because N comes before S in the alphabet, but nobody really knows which one came first. And so he told people that they were twins. But Father Gross, you and I, in our hearts and our minds, we know who came first. <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting for you to say <laughs> apologies to our dear Catholic brothers and sisters in South Dakota. Oh, no, no apologies <laughs> necessary. <It's just> like <laughs> but anyway, when President Harrison proclaimed this day... Um, the holiday was meant to recognize both Native Americans who were here before Columbus and the many immigrants who were then coming to this country in astounding numbers. And there was a Columbian exposition dedicated in Chicago that year in conjunction with, I believe, the World's Fair. Um, the 1892 Columbus Day Parade in New York City was telling in this regard. Harrison had especially designated the schools, and I should mention that I'm taking this from the Columbia Magazine and uh, from a uh, professor at Seton Hall University by the name of William J. Connell. Um, the Columbus Day Parade in 19 1892 was telling in this regard, Harrison had especially designated the schools as centers of the Columbus celebration, and thousands of public school students marched, followed by students from Catholic and other private schools, each wearing their respective uniforms. These included the Hebrew Orphan Asylum, the Dante Alighieri Italian College of Astoria in Queens, and the Native American marching band from the Carlisle Indian School in Pennsylvania, which would become the alma mater for Jim Thorpe, uh, which uh, speaks volumes about the spirit of the original Columbus Day. I myself didn't know this about that heritage, and of course, it became such a natural allegiance with uh, Father McGivney's uh, identification of the bravery of Christopher Columbus to set sail across an ocean, you know, and to uh, cross those bounds. Now, the Ku Klux Klan was among the holiday's strongest opponents, since it commemorated a man who was Catholic and a non-Anglo. So I would ask somebody who, you know, was with all sorts of fury, desiring to tear down a statue of Christopher Columbus in any of the cities in America where this may have happened in the summer. Do you want to be aligned with them? You know, are, are you a part of that? You know, what exactly is your motivation here? Are you willing to open yourself up to, uh, you know, an honest rendering of, of the history of this person? One other thing in particular to mention about Christopher Columbus is that um, he was oftentimes advocating for the rights of those whom he uh, encountered in the various Caribbean islands against the harshness and the cruelty of the Span of, of, of uh, other Spanish colonizers. And later in his life, he grew more and more pious, um, basically living as a third order Franciscan, wearing, you know, clothing resembling a Franciscan habit and wanting to be an instrument for the, the spread of the gospel. Now, I don't care who you are or where you live, that is a, a meritable thing in any generation because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's no greater privilege than to be able to proclaim his holy name. Wow, yeah. Father Gross, you have inspired me. I just wow, I love I love the passion about this, and and you know, and what what you're just um, bringing forth here is just the goodness of God that comes through these incredible people who have gone before us. And I, I think what happens here is we get we get caught up in our our own modern day circumstances and experiences, and we want to take those and impose them back mm -hmm. on time. And 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 we we. 
somehow we want to shape and mold the world, um, God himself, creation, our political situation, and our image and likeness. And so there's always this temptation to go and like whitewash things or make them disappear or to say, um, I'm going to tell you what the history is, what it means, and it's going to be in my image and likeness. And well, reality doesn't happen that way. Yeah. And, and, mm -hmm. and there's something incre incredibly sad and sorrowful when we do the ostrich thing. We stick our heads in the sand and say, no, I'm going to make the rest of this disappear. And you've mm -hmm. all got to be just like me or I'm not going to accept you or like you. Yeah. And let's let's be frank about a few things. First of all, um, some of the biggest benefactors for Columbus's voyages were King uh, Ferdinand and Queen Isabella of Spain. And they did uh, carry out a regime which in certain places was overly zealous in terms of uh, bringing about the conversion of Jewish people in Spain, you know, to Christianity. So there were, you know, there were abuses that happened there. Ironically, St. Teresa of Avila's father uh, her her um, her grandfather was uh, Jewish who converted to Catholicism, and Saint Teresa of Avila's dad was a very big promoter of her religious vocation. In fact, he was a little dismayed that she went to that Carmelite convent as a member because he thought, you know, they're not as serious as others are. But little did he know what her eventual role would be in terms of trying to reignite the fire that's supposed to be there. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two is the number, and we're still waiting on you to be able to answer your questions on Straight Talk. Also, feel free to submit a question on a Facebook page for Real Presence Radio. You know, and one of those, and I think maybe in a personal way how this kind of touches off, and um, it was, it's, you and I are both um, Knights of Columbus, right? And I think Father McGivney and, and all this, and, and you know, and a lot, of, a lot of priests maybe by default become members of the Knights of Columbus or, or what have you, but it was a year ago, about right now, that Notre Dame announced that they have these, these beautiful murals of Christopher Columbus on, mm -hmm. in, in a very prominent place there, and they announced that they were going to cover them up because somehow they have shame of Christopher Columbus or whatever. And, and in, in a certain way, I've been kind of waiting for you know, maybe the organization Knights of Columbus to, and I don't want to say be in your face, but kind of be a little more proactive in, in helping the world understand who was this man and why they have this organization named after him. And are we going to identify with him in a positive way? Are we, are we going to, you know, just go to that front line and say, well, wait a minute, you want to tear down Christopher Columbus and rewrite history? Let's like what you just did, Father Gross, where you, you educated us and things and I didn't know. Mm -hmm. None of us know, and and, and yeah. put and understand the positive light of our forefathers and mm -hmm. foremothers, and what what they've mm -hmm. accomplished for us. Right. When you think about that spirit of um, adventure, of of exploration, of seeking opportunities, and and things like that, you know that um, uh, how in the, the mid to late 1800s, so many people were able to make a new life and to chart a new course in a destiny, not with a principal cause of wanting to victimize anybody else whom they happened to meet wherever they were going. And this isn't just about, you know, America or Canada, numerous countries in South America, where there were so many people from uh, particularly Spanish and Portuguese uh, speaking uh, countries in Europe who made that uh, made that pilgrimage as well. Um, yes, I am a, uh, I'm a proud uh, third generation Knight of Columbus on my dad's side of the family, and I was exemplified into the fourth degree Knights of Columbus, gosh, it was about uh, 18 years ago or so. I remember, now uh, you may be a 
aware that a couple of years ago it was a big story. The Fourth Degree Knights uh, made the decision to streamline their regalia. Yes. Um, and so I said, you know, the, the only thing that my regret as a priest who's a Fourth Degree Knight of Columbus is that I'm not getting to wear the, the plumage or the, the weaponry, you know. <laughs> Although, if your name is Father McDermott, he has a sword. He got one in his Fourth Degree. So I just, I, I always said, I want one of those swords too. Okay, but the, okay, so then this 877 for straight talk. We really do want to hear from you. The lines are open. We're waiting to hear for your, your calls, your questions, concerns. But this, okay, so the Knights Columbus thing, this go, takes us in another direction. So right. uh, the big thing that's happening in the nation right now is the whole Supreme Court um, uh, filling that open, mm-hmm. open spot, you know, what, what should happen or not. And so, you know, what what is it that qualifies or disqualifies a person to sit on that Supreme Court? And so one of the things that has come forward here is on on the there's different levels of federal judges and so forth, and you get approved or a qualified or disqualified along the way the process. Mm-hmm. Well, recently one one of the judges that they were trying to you know approve was called out because he was a member of the Knights of Columbus, as if that was a disqualifying thing or. Or it really seems like all of a sudden it's kind of like these religion tests are creeping into that whole process. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, Father Gross, but in the last uh, couple of days I've been incredibly inspired by Amy uh, Coney Barrett as the notorious ACB, the nickname. You know, I mean, he, I, 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 <laughs> what, what, what has inspired me is this like, she is so confident and secure in her person and mm-hmm. who she is. Yeah. And she knows herself that you can, you, it, I mean, apparently it seems to me like you can insult her to her face. You can do all kinds of personal things or whatever. She is so confident in who she is in her, her person and her relationship with God, her, her family, her religion, that it's, it's not going to tear her down or knock her over. She'll receive what, whatever you have to say, and then she will reflect back to you who she is in the image and likeness mm-hmm. of God with, with great confidence, with simplicity and, right. and not taking it, it personally. And so she, she's done this incredible thing of, um, I have not sold my soul to anyone. I mm-hmm. do not owe anybody anything. This is who I am. I, I'm Catholic. I am pro-life. I am this, I am that, I am that. And I'm educated in the law. I've been a, a law professor and I've been approved, qualified to be a federal judge, and I have the ability to make distinctions, to to see what the law says, and be the judge of the law here without compromising mm-hmm. uh, my faith as a yeah. pro-life Catholic. From the little that I've heard here, she's been competent without becoming arrogant. Although, see, she could have been certainly arrogant with regard to the knowledge that she has about all the intricacies of the law. And you know, let let's be clear. clear. What's happening in these committee meetings? There's a certain amount of gamesmanship about it because um, the person being interviewed, the the, the nominee, is uh, not uh, going to step forward and say, "Okay, if I." were king of the world, I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing, you know, and so there's the means by which they're answering questions, but um, the the command that she has of uh, her craft and and her career and and the material and, uh, you know, the... um, yeah, I mean, the, the piety represented in her life is, is something that I think anyone can be proud of, no matter what religion they ascribe to. And I think what, maybe what I'm just trying to get at is whether she becomes a justice or not is, is this. She is showing uh, the whole world, but especially Catholics, how to represent 
your faith, your personhood with great dignity in the midst of the world, the most, the most incredible pressure coming at you from the world. Mm-hmm. And, and to not, to be humble, as you said, mm-hmm. and, but not to compromise yeah. your core values or whatever, and mm-hmm. to say like, I won't sell my soul even for a position on the Supreme Court, right. but I will show you who I am and who God has made me to be and be faithful. Maisie Hirono, a senator from Hawaii, was asking questions about whether she had ever been accused of you know any sort of sexual misconduct or that sort of thing. And the insidious thing about that, you know, I guess in terms of the motive that at least some people want to ascribe to a question like that is that okay, now we have a nominee. Her opponents are going to be beating the bushes for somebody who will be willing to come forward forward and say something salacious, whether, right. you know, wherever it comes from in order to disqualify her and stuff like that. And it's just, I mean, that's that, such an unseemly thing. Um, we do have a question that has been posed by Phil um, on our Facebook page that I want to share uh, here, and uh, we'll have you um, dive into this, Father Leffer, if you would. There seems to be a recurring theme, if you will, Phil writes, in Catholicism, that you had better clean up your act or God will send you horrible suffering. Doesn't this seem to fit the Pharisees' line of thinking? As they said, look at the leper, he or his parents must have sinned greatly. I think that's a reference from John chapter 9. Shouldn't love of God be our motive to repent, fear of hurting his loving and tender heart, more than fear of punishment or the fires of hell? A lot of different tentacles to this okay, uh, I question. Think, I think I can get at this, because uh, we only have a few minutes remaining here, but excellent question, excellent observation. A couple of things that hit me immediately. The first one is this. Personally, I fortunately have never had that experience in my life, my Catholic faith of kind of like, you know, do this or the fires of hell are going to get you. Or I've, I've, I just personally have missed that. I, that was never part of my experience growing up or expression or teaching. Right. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. But yeah, I have, right. There's the talk of, you know, a, a preacher's right. bottom of their hand being sore from right. pounding the pulpit. Okay, you know? but I have encountered this and other people who've been affected greatly by this. So I, yeah. can, I can appreciate it, especially as a priest where you deal with people's sense of conscience where they, they experience it. Now, right. but to get at the heart of what's going on here, so, so Phil's sentiment is, is very accurate and good and it's it's say this there's um okay two things one con- conversion to god can come about what we call perfect or imperfectly the ideal is perfectly through love through the call of goodness through the attraction of beauty and goodness and truth and unity and 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 phil you're right that that should be the way to go but there's also this way of imperfect conversion or contrition and that comes through fear uh, fear of separation, fear of isolation, fear of the fires of hell, fear of fear of fear. So fear can be an incredible motivator to to change your life towards the good. Now, uh, I don't know about you, Father Gross, but I would rather do it through perfect conversion or perfect contrition, and I'd rather do it through attraction to beauty and goodness and truth and love. Um, but each one of our souls are, are a bit different, and some of us only respond to or not only, but respond better to fear than we do to the call of love. I'm not sure, but I don't know, as a priest, I've always, I personally have always found that proclaiming the, the attraction to beauty, truth, and good is the better way to go. But every now and again, 
you know, it doesn't hurt to like St. Paul just last week. Mm-hmm. Oh, you stupid Galatians. What, what, who is bewitched you? Bewitched you. Boom. You know, it's like a, yeah. a kick in the behind to get you moving in the right direction, even though they were people he loved. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and with the reference to the Pharisaical thing, of course, you know, we need to be aware of when we tend to, to those directions. The only thing that I would say is just a, a follow up to this because we have uh, one other uh, issue to get to here for the remainder of our straight talk segment is that, um, you know, we think of the, the example of Job, somebody who endured suffering uh, without uh, necessarily deserving it. And so one of the licit, one of the lessons I think that Job in the Old Testament gives is that life is not as simple as his friends claimed it was, is that like if you're suffering horrible things, it's because you had it coming and, and the people who are, are doing well are virtuous because they're doing well and, and things like that. You know, it, it's not that simple. So we have to kind of take it you know, with a grain of salt, you know. So, we also have a, a caller uh, from here in Grand Forks. Anne, welcome to Real Presence Live. Thank you. You have a question for us today. I do. You were just talking about Columbus, and thank you for all the good information there. Mm-hmm. But you were talking about the knife at Columbus and talking about the sword. So, I have my father's. Knights uh, of Columbus sword. As a fourth degree and member. I'm wondering, yeah, and I'm wondering is that something that should be displayed? Should it be given away? Should it be sold? Should it be, is it a blessed object? Uh, what do you, yeah. what does one do with Yeah, with so I, I would say there's, there's one of two things that seem very appropriate to do. Okay? If, if the connect, if there's a deep, family connection here it uh, there, it wouldn't be inappropriate to display it and put a little plaque on there and saying in honor of my father who's a fourth degree knight here you know his sword and, and give a little history on it so people would understand or whatever and and even say on there you know if, if something would happen here blah, 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 this is what should happen um, the second thing would be to go to your local knights of columbus council or the local one, and say, here, here is my, uh, my father's sword from the fourth degree. He is, he's deceased. They would gladly receive that, and they right. would use it again for a ceremonial for a fourth degree night in the future. And so then it could be in his honor and his memory, it could be passed on to mm-hmm. a fourth degree night. So that, that would be the, the, what strikes me as the appropriate way to deal with it. Right. And I would say, um, not only uh, in the context of Grand Forks, but if anybody else listening has a question like that, you would basically want to contact the local fourth degree assembly, and uh, the parish can give you that information because there's the, 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 uh, the elected leader among that group is called the Faithful Navigator, and that would be the person to contact to say, you know, listen, we have this, we consider it an heirloom, but we would like to, you know, donate it back to you because the, 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 the worthy uh, Brother Knight uh, has passed away. That's, that's an option. So thank you very much, Anne, for your call and blessings to you. Uh, thank you for listening. Father Letfer, yes. this is your auntie. I'm on my way to Grand Forks. Well, wonderful. Great, great to hear from <laughs> you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're broadcasting all, all the way over <laughs> in, uh, in, in your area, in neck of the woods, northern Minnesota as well. Fantastic. Yes, thank you for keeping us company. 
We love you. <laughs> love you too. God bless. Thank you, Anne. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. And, and thanks everyone in the Roseau and War Road area. Wonderful. Yeah, beautiful part of the world up there uh, near the Canadian border. So thanks to those who contributed to uh, Straight Talk today. And uh, remember that we do this many uh, episodes of Real Presence Live during the uh, bottom of the first hour, 877-795-0122 is that number for future reference. So we've got one hour in the books, another hour on the way, and we're going to be visiting with Bishop Quinn from Winona, Rochester. um, And we're also going to be visiting with Nancy Gord and Father Slattery about Uh, some literature that they have to share with us. So stay with us on Real Presence Live. We'll be right back after this. 